The season is finally over and the Bucks were crowned champions. What's next for both the Bucks and the Suns? And why are the Lakers still in the news after they got bounced in the first round? Streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, this is the Season 2 finale of the Boundless and Ballin' Podcast. What's good, everyone? Welcome to the Boundless and Ballin' Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Beckley Nowan, and yes, this is the last episode of Season 2. So let's kick it off with an NBA Finals recap. Game 5, the Bucks won that in a nail-biter, 123-119. to Giannis had 32 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday with 29 and 27 points, respectively. D-Book with 40 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. And CP3, 21 points and 11 dimes. In Game 6, the Bucks clinched it, their second NBA championship in almost 50 years, and their second in franchise history. They took that one 105 to 98. Giannis with an unreal finals performance. 51 points, 14 rebounds, 5 blocks, 2 assists, and to top it all off, 17 of 19 from the free throw line. He went 16 of 25 from the field. He made 1-3 in 3 attempts as well, and he was named the finals MVP, rightfully so. Middleton also did rather well, 17-5-5 with 4 steals. He had a dagger jumper with under a minute left. CP3, 26 points and 5 assists. Devin Booker, after back-to-back 40 bombs in games 4 and 5, went a little cold. 19 points on 8 of 22 shooting from the field, 0 of 7 from 3, and he's supposed to be the next Kobe? Hell no. So anyway, congratulations to the Bucks. Also props to the Suns on a hell of a run. And uh, we'll have to see if these two meet in the finals again next year. I honestly don't think so. Alrighty, so what is next for the Bucks and the Suns? For the Bucks, I think they need to keep the core together. And uh, Mike Budenholzer definitely keeps his job after this finals run. The big three of uh, Middleton, Giannis, and Holiday, they're locked up for a while, and they have the chance to defend their title against the big gun Nets and Lakers. Some of their notable free agents, however, will be P.J. Tucker, as well as uh, Bobby Portis. He has a player option for next year. And on the flip side of that, the Suns need to develop their young players and find a way to re-sign Chris Paul. CP has a $44 million player option for uh, next year, but he's rumored to leave for a roughly $100 million contract in free agency. Also, look for Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton, 2022 free agents, to get extension offers from the Phoenix front office in due time. And finally, let's talk about the Lakers. A new report from Bleacher Report's Jake Fisher says that they're willing to be hard-capped this offseason, which basically means they're willing to go near the level of money of the salary cap that no team should go over. So potential targets would include DeMar DeRozan, Norman Powell, Kyle Lowry, and Lonzo Ball. All of them would help LA's need for a third scorer and ball handler. A shooter sign-and-trade with other assets would definitely make it happen. Magic Johnson was actually on Twitter uh, minutes before Game 6 ended, advocating for Chris Paul to come to the Lakers so he can join LeBron in AD and finally win a ring. The only way that would work, again, would be through a sign-and-trade. There are also new reports this morning that DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry have mutual interest in joining the Lakers. Now, one of them would have to join it through a sign-and-trade, and the other would have to take a massive pay cut. And also, the Lakers are targeting Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook as veteran point guards, adding to the list of uh, notable names they're looking for. CP3 would be very, very intriguing. 
He still creates his own shot really well. He put up 16 points a game, 4 rebounds a game, and almost 9 assists per game while shooting almost 50% from the field, 39.5% from 3, and 93% from the free throw line. And in the playoffs, he put up 19-4-9 on 50-45-88 splits. Russell Westbrook would absolutely be lethal in the Lakers' transition offense. He put up 22-12-12 on 44-32-66 splits for the Wizards this past season. Laker Nation's Alex Regula came out with an article um, yesterday saying the team's transition efficiency dropped from 2nd place in 2020 to 22nd last season. He basically highlighted their struggles in the uh, fast-paced run-and-gun offense. And some of the factors that contributed to that were the shortened offseason because of the bubble, Dennis Schroeder's lack of passing and insistence that he drives on almost every possession, and roster reconstruction. Um, this also led to 80% of the team's possessions being in the half court, the highest since the 2015-16 season. So going to be very interesting to see who the Lakers go after to run the offense. They do want LeBron and AD spending more time in the front court instead of LeBron um, always playing point guard. So any of those guys, I think, would be um, great targets, super beneficial for the Lakers either way. Also, it's been known that Spencer Dinwiddie wants to be a Laker. Um, he could also help. He's coming off the ACL. He's coming off the ACL tear he suffered last season, but that shouldn't be an excuse as to why we shouldn't go after him. And another reason the Lakers were in the headlines this past week was because of Fox Sports analyst Chris Broussard. When he pointed out that Giannis could win without a super team, and this was before the Bucks clinched the title, he said, quote, LeBron hasn't really done that. Kevin Durant hasn't really done that. Basically implying that the 2020 champion Lakers were a super team. Now, let's look at it this way. The super team we always think about is like the Golden State Warriors with Steph, Clay, KD, and Draymond, and you can argue the Brooklyn Nets from this past season with KD, Kyrie, Harden, and uh, Blake. Now, saying that the 2020 Lakers with two top five players in the league were a quote-unquote super team, I think is just, as Stephen A. Smith would say, blasphemous. You had their third best player, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, putting up 10.7 points a game, 2.1 rebounds a game, and 1.3 assists per game on 42-38-82 splits. You also had Kyle Kuzma putting up 10 points a game and 3 rebounds a game on 43-31-78 splits. Not to mention Rajon Rondo and Dwight Howard, former All-Stars turned role players who played their roles very well, might I add. So essentially, when you're saying the 2020 Lakers were a super team, you're in inflating the value of uh, KCP and Kuzma. Two top five guys on a championship team are definitely not a super team. That's for sure. And I also heard something that the Bucks were also a super team with Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday. That's just remarkably untrue as well. So by their logic, they're essentially claiming any team that wins from here on out is a super team. Like, you can have a bunch of young guys shock the world and cruise to the 2022 title, and people would call that a super team. Like, it's just not true at all. Just unbelievable why Broussard would put that out there and just uh, makes uh, the wrong the wrong connotation with what a super team actually is. And that is a wrap on Season 2 of the Boundless and Ballin' Podcast. Special thanks to all the guests I had on throughout the course of the season. Azer Batanga, Peyton Lodge, 
Victor Shamas, Jerry Kaleha, Aiden Alcala, and Connor McDowell. Grateful for the time to uh, hop on the podcast and discuss a variety of sports topics throughout the season from the NBA to uh, California football, high school football reopening up, and uh, hopefully we can get some of them back on the pod for next year. Thank you to you guys for tuning in. Let's make Season 3 a great one. Have a great summer. See you guys soon. I'm Jordan Buckley now, and stay safe, stay healthy. Peace.